Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's a good afternoon. No, I said it's a good afternoon. That's what I said. I trust you've had a great week. I know Lindsay didn't have a good week until she had a free meal. Then her, then she had a good week. But uh, it's, it's, an, it's interesting. It's been an interesting week for me. Um, yeah, so we'll leave you at that. So it's great to be in church today. And uh, we're going to continue our teaching on healing. So this is part three of our healing series. And today we're going to talk about the heart of God concerning healing. The heart of God concerning healing. I want to read a few scriptures. On the onset, this is a scripture I've been given in the notes. Deuteronomy 29, 29. He says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but, the things, but those things that are revealed or which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. The secret things belongs to the Lord, but the things or those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever so that we may do all that is written according to this law. In other words, there are things in God's word that we will not know. There are things in God's word and about God and about his ways that we will not know. So when we talk about healing, we have to have humility and recognize there are things that we will not know. There are things that are beyond our understanding. Uh, before I go any further, it's great to see Uncle Jonah and Auntie Lydia, who've come back from Niger. He doesn't like it, yeah, but it's great to see them. They've been on the, the field in Nigeria, just doing God's work and going back, and it's great to have them with us again. Come on, let's celebrate them again. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so the, we're talking about healing, but it's, import, it's important to emphasize this reality that there are certain things that happen to us that come our way that we will not know why. And so when we are teaching about healing, I want to emphasize that we are teaching from a place of small knowledge. We know in part, and therefore we will teach in part. So whatever I am saying about healing, I don't want you to think that we have all the answers. However, he says, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever so that we may observe to do everything that is written in this law. So there are things that are clearly revealed in scripture that when we learn to embrace them, it helps us to know God better and to fulfill his will. So we're going to look at the heart of God concerning healing as revealed in the word of God and specifically through our Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, I'm going to read this and then we'll touch on one or two things. He says, when he, our Lord Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, oh look, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing 
you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Third John 2, Third John 2, he says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So we're using these two scriptures and we'll recap on some of the things we said last week to underscore about God's heart concerning healing. Again, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever his will was in the past has not changed. Whatever his will was concerning any issue has not changed. And when this leper came to him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean, he said, I am willing, and he cleansed him. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the scripture says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Our Lord Jesus in his earthly body was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power. It's an interesting phrase. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit, but he also anointed him with power. This is a, a reality. Many of us have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and he guides us and he teaches us and we learn from him, but we don't have the anointing of power. The anointing of dunamis, miraculous power, in order to set at liberty those who are oppressed by the devil. And this is part of the process that the Holy Spirit is taking us on as a church corporately, where as many that are willing will not only enjoy the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but enjoy the anointing of power as well. Amen. And uh, we defined healing in our last teaching as the supernatural restoration of a person's spirit, soul, or body to the state that God originally intended or to a better state than what it previously was. That is what divine healing is about. It's the supernatural intervention of God's power into a context. Now, all true healing comes from God. All true healing. There are counterfeit healings where the enemy's power will also do or perform what appears to be a healing, but it has with it a price. So he heals your leg, but takes away your marriage. Or he heals your heart, but makes sure that you have cancer somewhere else. That's what he does. He's a trickster. And uh, so you cannot deny that in the enemy's camp, there are supernatural attestations of what appears to be miracles. If you have any dealings with the supernatural or with the demonic and, 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 or with the psychic, then you will know that there is a realm of the supernatural beyond what the scriptures teach. And uh, so you need to understand that. However, true healing where God will heal and there is no strings attached comes from the Holy Spirit, whether it's in the natural or whether it's supernatural. And we thank God for medical science. And uh, if you are uh, caught into in the medical field, 
Don't say, because I believe in divine healing, I don't need to study. I'm just going to lay hands on the people. You are not a qualified doctor, and uh, I wouldn't go to you in Jesus' name. No, we, we have to study. Amen. All right. We talked about the purpose of healing. Why healing? And we said, number one, it is to bring glory to God. Secondly, in order to destroy the devil's work. Thirdly, to contribute to the process of wholeness in an individual. Also, it is to alleviate pain, uh, physical pain, emotional pain, or uh, spiritual pain or suffering. Five, the reason for healing is to cleanse the soul. Whether it's from guilt or bad habits or bad thoughts, etc. That will cause us to have a way of thinking that is destructive. Number six, the purpose of healing is to release our emotions. In other words, gives us the freedom to express godly emotions. Seven, the purpose of healing is to edify or build up the church, the body of Christ. As people get healed and as we hear about it, our faith is encouraged. You know, it's one thing. You may say, I don't even know if God is real. I don't even know of the power of God. Until you see God heal you supernaturally. You see, when you are in pain, you see, when you are in pain, and then somebody comes and takes away your pain, you are a lot more open to what they have to say. And so sometimes we need to see, not sometimes, we need to see the supernatural power of God in situations in order to build up the church. Eight, in order to manifest or express the kingdom of God. Our Lord Jesus says, if I by the finger of God cast out demons, then surely, if I by the spirit of God, sorry, cast out demons, then surely the kingdom of God is among you. Part of the healing ministry of the Holy Spirit is also casting out or removing demons that bring affliction to people. We'll touch on that later. And number, what number? Number nine, it's why healing? To restore fallen man. Number 10, why healing? In order for it to be a sign, both the sign of a believer and also the sign to the world of the reality of God. For the believer, Mark chapter 16 Verse 17 says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take out serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. These are five supernatural signs that show that our gospel is real. The problem in today's church is most believers do not have signs following them. Rather, they look for signs in other people. Also, it is a sign to the world of the reality of God and his kingdom. And then number 11, why healing? To demonstrate the love of God. Throughout scripture, you find that our Lord, when he ministered to people, he was moved with compassion. Compassion is love in action. You feel for somebody and so you want to take away what is going on that is bringing them pain. And that is an expression of love. And finally, why healing? To manifest the works of God. In John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, there's a very interesting situation. There was a man born blind. He was born blind. And in those days, and I guess even in today's church, they said somebody sinned. The man who was born blind, either he was born blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned. So they asked the Lord, solve the riddle. Who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? He said, neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And so sometimes there are, the healing takes place in order for God's work to be revealed. 
All right, so let's talk about the will of God and our healing. Is it God's will that every sickness is healed? Is it God's will? Or is sickness and disease a gift that God likes to give us as part of his mysterious nature? Well, first and foremost, it is important to always address these difficult questions from biblical revelation. Now, our Lord Jesus, we know, came to reveal the will of God. He came to reveal the will of God to us. Amen? Isn't that so? So if he came to reveal the will of God to us, any context that he sought to correct was therefore, that context was therefore not the will of God. And it is clear, and hopefully we'll look at this on Good Friday, um, on, on Friday, on Good Friday, we'll look at this, that our Lord Jesus Every time he was confronted with sicknesses, diseases, or any kind of infirmity, every time he was confronted where people came to him for healing, he healed them. So therefore, it would be wrong to suggest that God's will is that people are sick. And then the second thing is, is sickness a gift from God? Is sickness a gift? Well, how can it be a gift if Jesus takes it away? Because the scriptures teach that the gifts and the callings of God are given without repentance. He doesn't give you a gift and then he takes it away. So therefore, sickness is not a gift. Now, there are those who will say, and I'm included in this, that God uses sicknesses and diseases to teach us. Well, of course he does. He uses everything to teach us. He uses the sun to teach us. He uses the moon to teach us. He uses sicknesses. He uses infirmities. He uses yourself to teach you about life. So just because God uses something for a redemptive purpose does not mean he approves of that thing. He called Nebuchadnezzar my servant who I chose. But Nebuchadnezzar was not a godly man. He was a wicked king. At times he will use bad things for his redemptive purpose, not because that thing is his will. It's very important that we understand that. So, the scripture that we read in 3 John 2 says that, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So there is natural prosperity, there is physical health, and then there is spiritual prosperity, your soul prospers. In other words, God wants us to be in health as long as it does not undermine our spiritual development. Anything that undermines our spiritual development becomes an evil in our lives. And so he wants us to prosper and be in health just as our soul prospers. In other words, the heart of God is for us to be in health. And the following will further highlight this truth. We touched on it last week. Number one, that healing is in the very nature of God. Exodus 15, 26, he says, I am Yahweh who heals you. Or Jehovah Rapha, as most of you, or Rapha, as most of you have, have heard before. I am Yahweh who heals you, who restores you, who cures you. Healing is in his very nature. Secondly, he promises to heal all our diseases the same way he promises to forgive all our iniquities. Psalm 103 verse 3, he says, Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals 
all your diseases. It's unqualified. That's the heart of God. To not only forgive you of all your iniquities, but also to heal you of all your diseases. Number three, he has made provision for our healing through the atonement of Jesus Christ. In other words, when our Lord went to the cross and paid the price of humanity's sin and all its consequences, included in that was our healing. He paid the price for our healing. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that for our peace or the punishment that resulted in our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, it is important that we understand that our Lord, in bringing us healing, brought us complete healing, spiritual Solical and physical. He brought us complete healing. At times, some would say that when he talks about healing there, he's talking about spiritual healing. Of course he is. That's the most important kind of healing. It is the most necessary kind of healing. But you will discover in the scriptures that this verse was referred to as our Lord was ministering supernatural healing to people. He refers to in, in this gospels, himself bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. And also, you understand more in the definitions of the words translated grief and sorrow. In, in the Hebrew and also in the Greek, the words defined as, and translated as Greek, sorry, as grief, is defined as sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, anxieties, diseases, calamities. So he says he has, he has, um, he was wounded for, sorry, let me read the whole thing. He's carried our sorrows. He has borne our griefs. So he has borne our sicknesses, our diseases, our sorrows, uh, and uh, what else is it? Our distresses, sorry, not sorrows. Our anxiety, our diseases. He's carried that and he's borne our sorrows. That word sorrow is anguish, affliction, pain, and sorrows. So, this is what our Lord carried in himself. He carried that on the cross. This was speaking of the cross in his fullness. He carried that and he paid the price for it. And he says, by his stripes, he was healed. Now, you, you should understand that when our Lord was going to the cross, before he went there, he was beaten with, with stripes. Now, when you think of a stripe, you think of a, a, a nice strip and you see these films and then they go whack and then a little line comes on the back whack and there's some ketchup on the back whack and there's some but it wasn't like that the thing that they used was was rocks mixed with glass and bones and when they hit his back on it it tore the flesh now the Jewish law meant you had to be whipped 39 times but our Lord was whipped beyond 39 the 39 spoke of the different classifications of sickness and diseases. I understand. I don't know how true this is. That, so don't quote me on it. You can Google to see if it's, if it's so. That there are 39 classifications of sicknesses and diseases. It sounds good. But hey, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. But it doesn't really matter. The point is, 
By his stripes, we are healed. That word healed is restored to complete wholeness. So it is wonderful for us to know that because of our Lord's great love for humanity, he purchased all aspects of our healing. Not just our spiritual, and that is the most important, but all aspects of our healing. Our spiritual healing begins when we're born again. It takes place immediately. Our solical healing takes place through the renewing of the mind as the word of God transforms us. And our physical healing takes place ultimately at the resurrection when we're given new bodies. But in the process of time, whilst we are on earth, we can also experience down payments of what he purchased on the cross now in our physical bodies. Fourth point here about God is this. He promises to keep his obedient children in divine health. Now, this one is controversial because automatically someone will say, are you trying to say that the reason why I have sickness is because I've sinned? I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. Make your own judgments. I don't know your life. You know your life. I don't know what you're up to. You know, I know for sure that sometimes when I am sick, it's not because I have sinned. I know I haven't sinned. Other times I can tell there's a sin coming. There's a sickness coming because there's a sin that has come. So I can't, I don't know why people are sick. That's why I said from the onset that the secret things belong to the Lord. So please, let God speak to you about you and never mind anybody else. But in Exodus 15, 26, he says, if you diligently hear the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. You find in scripture, um, time and time again, conditions that God gives for his blessings to remain on his people. Uh, Deuteronomy 28.1 is an example. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Now, when you read that, you see, at times believers, we say something like this, you know, I am blessed, I am the head, I am not the tail, I am the above and not the belief, all the blessings, I'm blessed in the country, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the up and I'm blessed in the down, I'm blessed here and I'm blessed there. Fantastic, God bless your life. Have you read carefully the conditions? If you diligently obey, diligently obey, in other words, wait, 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 let me check. Is it in the scripture? The voice of the Lord your God, and observe carefully, say carefully, all his commandments, which I command you today. Now, we like to pick and choose. It's a bit like all sorts, you know. You pick the bits that you like. Do you know what all sorts are? Them sweets, you know, um, licorice, all sorts. I didn't like all of them, you know. Some of the licorice things taste like medicine. But there were some which tasted good. You pick them and it's like, mm, it's nice. And I was like, We like to do that with scripture. Licorice all sorts. I am the above and not the beneath. I am the high and not the low. I am the up and not the down. I am the rich and not the poor. I am the blessed and not the cursed. I am the happy and not the sad. Or whatever. Whatever we want to apply. We like to. But when it comes to diligently observe, oh, that's legalism. Oh, no, 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 no. What do you mean, daily? God is not like that. And then the fifth point about God is this. Is he declares his will for us to be in health, even as our soul prospers. We, we quoted that in 3 John 2, um, that he wants us to prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. So God's will 
concerning our healing is obvious. The question is, why do people fall sick? So let's just, I'm going to skip through this quickly and then focus on a few. Why do people fall sick? From the scriptures and what we can see from scriptures, there are 12 reasons I want to highlight. Number one, sickness and diseases are a direct result of the fall of Adam. Number two, a lifestyle of sin will result in some kind of sickness or can result in some kind of sickness. Not always, but can. Number three, fear of sickness itself and diseases can open the door for sicknesses and diseases. Number four, wrong words spoken over one's life can result in people becoming sick and diseased. Number five, is it five? Satanic oppression of some kind can result in sicknesses and diseases. Number six, hereditary sicknesses or generational curses can also result in people being sick. Number seven, violating the natural laws of health. Now, I have to be honest with you. This one, I really get convicted because there are laws. So, for instance, you look at the, the health laws that God gave to the Jews. Now, you see, the health laws that God gave to the Jews, we don't have to observe them. For them, it was a matter of righteousness. We don't get righteous by not eating pork. It's very tasty, you know, when you eat it. <laughs> or prawns or any, you know. But the reality is that those health laws, if you actually observe it, you'll be very healthy. I have a friend, a pastor friend. Now, if you think I look young, he looks very young. We're the same age. He looks like he's in his mid-20s because he, he, he's a, a Pentecostal born-again, talking, Holy Ghost-filled, sanctified Christian, but he has been smart. He, he's looked at the Seventh-day Adventists and their natural health laws, and he has become a rigid observer of it when it comes to his health. And so as our belly grew, his remained the same. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so the point there is, is that there are natural health laws that if you observe, it keeps you in health. No matter how much you fast and pray, if you don't rest properly, no matter how many demons you can cast out, if you don't rest properly and eat properly, you will be sick and a demon will have access to that holy body of yours. I'm telling you, it's true. Now, are you saying all sickness is demons? Of course not. But they don't mind helping your body to be sick. What number are we on? Seven? Eight. Why do people fall sick? Emotional wounds. Emotional wounds can cause people's body to end up sick. Number nine, wrong doctrinal beliefs. Wrong teachings will cause people to become open to sicknesses and diseases and demonic oppression. I've shared this before. I will never forget. One man of God came to my old church many years ago. And a lot of the people, almost all the people, in fact, all the choir, we don't have a choir, but that, that choir had about 20 or something Holy Ghost sanctified people. When this guy preached and then started to pray for them, they just began to manifest, acting like animals, rolling. And, I mean, we should have filmed it. In those days, we didn't have these kind of phones. And I remember Sandra and different ones standing next to me thinking, I'm, and we were all in the queue, so we would walk, key, key, and you put it on, ah, key, key. 
So he came to me, and everybody was watching when he came to me. Aha, uh -huh, we've got him. Came to me, key, key. Nothing happened. I walked off. Nothing happened. I didn't feel anything. Sandra and them were next one, like, hey, the man has been free now. They came to him, key, key. Nothing happened. They were okay. But the majority of the rest of the people who went close to us, they all were acting like animals. Why? Because they were doctrines. That, and so later on we asked the guy, why is it all these people? He said, the doctrine is that your church believes, opens the door for these kind of things. Not this church, that was another church. <laughs> Not this church. I'm just telling you. Number 10, occultic involvement. Before you were saved, and even after people are saved, they get involved in occult involvement, in some kind of occultic activity. You say, how is that possible? from what they call innocent horoscopes to deadly palm reading and tarot card observations. How many of you did a tarot last night? No, 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 sorry. But any kind of occultic involvement, any kind, whether you knew about it or did, did not know about it, will open the door if you got involved to give the enemy access to afflict you in some way. And number 11, divine judgment, where God pronounces a judgment against a situation um, or an individual and it will result in some kind of sickness. And that judgment can come from him directly or through other people. And then number 12, the result of a curse from somebody, a man. A human being decides to curse you. And if you're not, if you're not covered properly, that curse has a place, and it will have impact in your life. Interestingly, sometimes people curse themselves without even realizing it, and it results in the enemy being able to afflict them. All right. So I want to dwell on a few. Just um, how, many, how much time do I have? I want to dwell on, okay, just 10 more minutes, and then we're done. I want to dwell on a few of these just to emphasize why you need to be careful when we're talking about sicknesses, diseases, and why we need to understand God's heart. The first one is the fact that sicknesses and diseases are a direct result of the fall of Adam. And I guess this will also tie in with the generational side. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, when Adam sinned, New Living Translation says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Now, you see, when you read that, you may not realize the implications. Death is not simply the physical absence of life in the body. Death is where God's life no longer can remain. And so when Adam sinned and he brought death into the human race, the essence was that the absence of God's direct influence or his life gave opening for decay, for regression, for destruction in the human genes, in the environment, in the atmosphere, in our spirit being. And part of it was that we inherited degeneration or sickness from Adam because of sin. So sickness and disease, number one and most important, you must understand, is a byproduct of Adam's sin. 
and the manifestation of death in their primary state. So eventually, death works out where we, we leave the body, but sicknesses and diseases are manifestations of death. And I, I heard somewhere, and I think I even read it, that medically speaking, because the body regenerates itself over time, we shouldn't really grow old and we shouldn't really die. And so the element of death uh, is a mystery. But it's because of the sin condition. That's why. Because of the sin condition. And so we need to appreciate this. So there are certain things that will happen to us or to our loved ones because of the consequence of sin. Not certain sicknesses come because of consequence of sin. Not our sin, but Adam's sin. Now, you may say, why does God allow it? I don't know. I really don't. And I'm not going to give you some pet answer either. But that's the reality. Second point is this. A lifestyle of deliberate sinning. And I think this is something that you have to take very seriously as children of God. Because all of us know ourselves. Say to your neighbor, you know yourself. We all have certain pet things that we like to retreat to from time to time. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Let's read James chapter 5, verses 14 and 16. He says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this is an important protocol. At times, believers are sick, but they want the elders to have a word of knowledge to for them to then come and pray for them. In other words, they won't, they won't ask for the elders, please, can you come and pray for me? I am sick. And anoint me with oil. Because when you do that, you are activating your faith in the word of God. Now, even if the elder is backslidden, the fact that you just are looking at what the word says, you say, come and pray for me, and then you ask them to anoint you with oil. That will release the power of God. But if you don't do that, if you don't do it, and we have to beg you, is it okay if we pray for you? Mm, let me think about it. <laughs> Not sure, sure, you know, hold on. Then, then that's a different thing. Now, I believe in anointing people with oil, but I don't believe in the always using oil. As an elder in that context, when sometimes people come for prayer and they say, I want you to pray for me, I will anoint them with oil. But it doesn't mean everything we anoint with oil. We anoint the chair with oil, the window with oil, your glasses with oil. We anoint your money with oil. Bring that thing, put oil, 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 oil. That's a bit weird. Now, the apostles, they did anoint with oil as well, with Jesus. So there is something in it. I mean, you read the scriptures, it's there. But the point I'm making is, is that in this context, he says elders should do that. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith, not the prayer of hope. The prayer of faith that the elders pray. It's heavy, you know, to be an elder, it's not easy. So when we pray for you and you are not healed, you have to ask, my friend, what kind of praying was that one? Was that the prayer of faith or a prayer of hope? Listen, I have to tell you the truth. At times I pray for people and it ain't a prayer of faith, it's a prayer of hope. I hope it works. In Jesus, Steve, go and pray for them. Because, <laughs> listen, I remember many years ago, not many years, a few years ago, a year and a bit ago, actually. <laughs> I was in Sierra Leone, and I think I've shared this story, and I was with Peter, who is an apostle, and not Peter in the Bible, the apostle, no, Peter Mensah, who's also an apostle, and Justice, who's a prophet. 
Now, these guys are very powerful. Look, I might be the spiritual father, but I know power when I see it. These guys are powerful. And in some areas, they, they excel me. And when it comes to the healing of the sick and stuff, their anointing is stronger than mine. So they, they, they prayed for somebody. And the person was not healed. So I was there minding my own business. And they said, peace and uh, We have a situation. The guy can't talk. He can hardly walk. We need, we've prayed, but nothing is happening. Can you pray? I first said, no, I can't pray. If you guys have prayed, it doesn't work. Why are you asking me for? <laughs> honestly, sometimes you just want to embarrass me. I also, honestly, that went through my head. I have to be honest. Look, I have no power in myself. I'm telling you the truth. When God heals people, I'm amazed myself. Hey, it happened. <laughs> I have to be honest. I have to be honest. <laughs> so I said, no problem. No problem. Can't be that bad. So when they brought the guy, I went, ha, it is that bad. He could hardly walk. And he couldn't talk. And it's like, so what is it that you want to pray for again? And that, <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm serious. That he's healed. He can talk and he's free. Fuck, right? <laughs> That's okay, come, come, come. Let's, let's all do it together. <laughs> I'm serious. So if it fails, we all fail together. <laughs> yeah. So we prayed. I prayed my prayer. Come on, Shaba. I used tongues. That's for that one. No, boom, boom, bam, bam. All the tongues I could think of. The guy just looked at me. We all prayed. Nothing happened. Then I just felt, say, it's done. They say, it's done. So I said, it's my faith, my faith is done. We quickly went on our plane and came back to England. But the amazing thing, the guy was 100% healed. Some days later, completely healed to the point he's now in university. It's amazing. Oh, he was a Muslim. He's now a born again believer. But you see, I'm saying that, so when it's a call for the elders, it's not thing that we are powerful men of God, you know, yeah, we're coming. As much as we pray and we fast and we see God, and yes, we pray and we fast, yes, we fast and we fast, right? I'm telling you, in ourselves, we have no power, but there is power in the name of Jesus. He says, the prophet will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You see, at times, sicknesses come because we committed a sin. And we don't like to admit this thing, but it is true. So sometimes when I get some kind of afflictions, the first question I ask is, okay, where have we gone wrong? Sometimes I am curt with Aish. Sometimes I'm, I lose my, I'm not handling my children with the love of a godly man, a father. Of full of patience and grace. And so, not grace, grace. And so, at times, afterwards, you know, it opens the door for the enemy to come in. So I have to ask, okay, where is this coming from? How did this happen? Yeah. He says, if there's sins, they will be forgiven. Why? Because sometimes our sicknesses, our diseases, is a result of sin. Quickly, 
Two more scriptures and then we'll, we will we'll bring this to a close. In the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, 21 to 35, our Lord shows us that if we do not forgive, and he's talking about believers here, not unbelievers, believers here, that our Father will hand us over to the tormentors until we pay the price of our unforgiveness. You see, the tormentors or torturers are demonic spirits that are assigned to our lives. And they can include sicknesses. And people who do not forgive others from their heart, it's been proven medically that if you carry bitterness, it can affect your health. It can produce ulcers. It can produce leukemia. I am not saying anybody who's got ulcer or leukemia has unforgiveness. I'm not saying that. But I'm just showing you that it is a medical fact that bitterness, and the scripture calls it is rottenness to the bones, which is really leukemia. Leukemia, cancer in the bones. Um, and so we have to be very careful. And another example of this is where our Lord warns somebody. He says to him, stop sinning. The man with palsy, he says, stop sinning. Afterwards, he says, stop sinning, otherwise something worse will happen to you. You see, so you have to be careful. I want to stop there, I want us to pray. We'll continue, we'll continue this next week. In fact, during the Easter service, um, Good Friday, we'll continue to teach on healing. Um, and then um, Easter Sunday, we'll continue to teach because it's part of the resurrected message. I want us to pray at this time. I want to pray for us, give us the opportunity where we have been allowing a lifestyle of sin to become deliberate. And we are saying to God, we don't want that in our lives anymore. I want you to be bold. If that is you, I want to pray over you before I hand over to you. Know, why don't you stand right now if you are renouncing a lifestyle of sin that opens the door for the enemy in your life. It can be anything. It can be unforgiveness. It can be some way of talking, some attitude that you carry. It can be anything that you know in your heart is not right before God. Why don't you stand where you are? And as you stand, why don't you raise your hands? Sometimes when we take communion, the Bible warns us that if we take communion and we have not discerned the body properly, we have not done it right, one of the consequences is sicknesses. We become weak in our body. We become sick in our body. So we need to let it go. So if that's you, just stand where you are. And then I want to pray with you and ask the Lord to just help you. So as you stand, I want you to just say to the Lord, Father, I bring this area of my life before you. Why don't you do that right now? Just tell him, Father, I bring this area of my life before you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. In Jesus' name, why don't you just do that? Father, as these precious ones are standing, I ask for your mercy and your grace to be extended towards them. Lord, as they've asked for forgiveness, let the blood of our Lord Jesus, the powerful blood, cleanse them, spirit, soul, and body. Wash them clean so that the enemy has no access to their lives. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you. Thank you, Enoch.